Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Today is a Q&A episode and I'm going to go over three questions from Instagram today and just dive into them a little bit deeper. But first, uh, before I go into that, here's a few ways you can help support the podcast. So if you found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review, again, that would be super helpful. so more people can find this podcast and get this information. Uh, again, appreciate all my listeners. Uh, but if you could leave that, that will go a long way. Next, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore. Um, that's where I'm most active and post out and post the most content there with that. And that's the easiest place to get in touch with me. And then lastly, uh, I have my one-on-one online coaching service. And with this, I help you lose body fat and build muscle with my strategic dieting and training methods. We look at things like your lifestyle and biofeedback to individualize your training and nutrition program to you and your specific needs. There's also at least one to two bottlenecks outside of the training program, the the, uh, nutrition program that we figure out that are keeping you from seeing results. And usually these are things like around your environment, uh, your uh, mindset, things like that. Um, So if you are interested in that, you can reach out on Instagram or you can fill out the link in the show notes, and uh, we can set up a time to chat in more detail about that. So with that out of the way, let's dive into the questions for today. So the first question is, why do mesocycles, so real quick, mesocycles are basically training phases, you know, usually four to six weeks, it depends on the person, but that's typically um, what what I will do there. So why do mesocycles progress RIR? So again, what's RIR? Reps in reserve. So this is just a way to moderate your manage your training intensity. Okay. So RIR is reps in reserve. So how many reps you have left to do uh, before you get to failure. So if we could do two more reps the prior week and we just held back, isn't that not really progressing as you could always do that? So this is a good question. Um, So basically I'm assuming, you know, this person's talking about RIR going from like two to three in week one, where you leave like two to three reps in the tank and then like zero to one in week five or six of a training cycle. So over time you progress that RIR, right? Um, You get, you get closer to failure. And so the main, the main point, the main reason to do this is so you can manage your training fatigue. So you can progress throughout the training cycle. Okay. So this is a way to um, just make sure that you can, you know, have productive training sessions week over week. Um, because if you train to failure right away, you know, it could be hard to train for four to six weeks straight and you may increase injury risk. And here's the other thing with it too. So on a set, like if you were to just do like one set, like going to failure is going to be better than like doing like one to two RIR. Okay. But one to two RIR is going to be, it's going to have a little less fatigue associated with it. And, um, you're still going to see pretty much the same muscle growth. Like again, maybe it's a tiny bit amount, but you're also not going to see as much fatigue as well. So that can be very helpful. Um, if you want to accumulate a good amount of volume, like elsewhere uh, throughout your body. Okay. So it's really just a, a way to moderate your fatigue so you can, you know, accumulate the volume that you need to over time. Because again, if you go straight to failure, uh, it could be something where you run into, um, you know, just, you just have too much fatigue and then you can't progress. And again, when you try to train through that, um, that is going to increase injury risk. And you're probably not seeing the adaptations that you want if you're always training close to failure. 
Because again, if fatigue wasn't an issue, you would just train to failure every single set. I mean, that would be the best way to do about it. But we again, we can't just think about in that exact time, what is the best thing to do? We have to take things on a little bit of a longer time scale here. And, and people forget to, to think about that um, again, over two to three weeks at a time, you know, yeah, maybe you're leaving a couple reps on the tank and, and whatnot, but again, you're saving up some fatigue so you can do more and more uh, later on as well too. Uh, so a couple, a couple things. So again, it's there to manage fatigue, but also like a new, if, if you're doing like a new movement too, you wouldn't necessarily want to go to absolute failure right away either. You know, you want to kind of get that new movement dialed in. So that's another way that you could, that you can utilize uh, that as well too. Okay. So like, you know, and, and if you program a new movement, it's like, for one, it is going to be tough to know what actual failure is on it because you are kind of learning it, but you know, that could increase injury risk because it is a new movement. So you do want to, it's a way to kind of manage your uh, fatigue there for new movements. A couple other things on this too is, you know, it, most people think to where I are, is easy training and end up not training hard enough because they think, Oh, two RIR, two RIR. I'm going to, you know, I think as you get more advanced, you get better at this and you practice it, but most people hear two RIR and they think it's easy training, right? So it's like, it's either super hard training with failure or it's easy training. Um, and that's not the case. Two RIR training still is, should be pretty, pretty challenging, right? So the best way I can describe it is like, you know, you kind of get to that point to where things start to slow down and maybe you get like one more rep after things slow down. Um, to me, that's two RIR. And again, if you're doing that, that is still hard training. It's not easy. Right. So I think that's the other big mistake people make here with this is like, they, they think that that's easier training. Um, so a couple other things that are important here to mention with this kind of concept as well, too, is exercises are going to be important as well, too, with this. So some certain exercises are going to carry a higher fatigue with them, right? So more compound, more compound movements, movements that use more uh, uh, muscle groups, you know, larger muscle groups, um, depending on if they're in like, if you get it in the stretch position or if it's in the shortened position, like those are all going to be things that um, can determine how much fatigue that comes with it. So you could maybe go closer to failure on something that uses more like uh, uh, shortened muscle lengths, whereas something that has, that uses a lot of long muscle lengths, you might have to stay a little bit further away from failure. So the best way I can describe this would be like uh, doing uh, RDL, right? That's going to put your hamstrings in the length and position. And that can be, you know, very fatiguing um, overall. So just kind of a way to conceptualize that. Now, how often you train is also going to be important here. If you only train two to three days a week, you can push your, you can push it closer to failure every time you train because you just don't have as much training volume. If you're training six days a week, five, six days a week, you're going to have to moderate this to where you can't just go to failure every single set, every single exercise, every single workout. Like you're going to have to, you're going to have to manage that fatigue so you can get all that, that work in that you need to. Um, and then lastly, you know, a couple other things that will play a big role is your nutrition. I mean, how you recover is going to play a role. So if you're always under eating, maybe not getting enough protein, like that's going to be something that you have to take into consideration here. Um, and then also just again, how you recover, are you sleeping well? Um, do you, you know, what does your other activity look like in conjunction with the muscle, with the hypertrophy style training? Like, what does that look like as well too? You know, are you managing your stress? So these are all going to play roles here with like, this RAR thing that we need to consider, right? Um, so again, long story short, I wanted to dive into this a little bit deeper than just, oh, well, it's there to manage fatigue. But the biggest thing is it's it's there to manage fatigue. Like I think people, when they get into training, think that it, it that should be this like 
they should go balls to the wall every single week. And as you know, that's not sustainable. So that, you know, that's another aspect of it too, that I need to point out, you know, the more often you train, it's like, can you expect to always go to failure every single time as well from, from that standpoint, like that's going to weigh down on you as well too. So again, from a mindset, uh, a mental standpoint, that's going to play a big role. So, you know, you have to take all these things into consideration. Um, when again, if we just isolate it to that one set, yeah, you would just go to failure. Um, and that's going to be best for muscle growth, but that's not taking into consideration, um, everything else that you have going on. Um, now in saying all this, most people don't train hard enough anyway. So, uh, I think if anything, you do need a caution on probably pushing yourself a little bit more than you think. And just remember two RAR is not easy training. It's still hard training. And if you feel like two RAR is easy, you're not, you're not actually getting to two RAR. Um, you may think you are, but, you, but you're not. So let me know if you guys have any questions on that. Um, again, it's a, you know, pretty complex topic and, uh, you know, there's a lot of variables that, that go into it, but that's kind of the best way to sum that up. All right. So next question is how much weight fluctuations day to day and why are they there? Um, discouraging to see different weight 12 to 24 hours apart. So my first thing on this is you shouldn't be looking at weigh-ins from 12 hours apart. I mean, can you know, I used to do stuff like this too. So it's, you know, I can't just be like, does that make any sense? But let's, let's think about like, now that I've been there, I've, I've learned all this. It's like, does that really make sense? Like, are you really going to gain body fat or muscle or lose muscle or lose body fat in a 12 hour span? I mean, come on, that this does not happen. That's not, so any, any, any reading from 12 to 24 hours is just water weight fluctuation. So there's no need to stress it. Um, so again, that's my first kind of uh, issue with this with this question. But how much how much can can water weight fluctuate? And you know, I hate to give this answer, but it really depends on the person in terms of how much it can fluctuate from day to day. You know, obviously, people with higher body weights can fluctuate more, um, and then some people just genetically just fluctuate. They just their water weight just fluctuates more. So it, it just really depends. You know, I've seen as high as five to ten pounds um, before. Just kind of here as an example, I have a, a guy that's getting ready for a fight, uh, MMA fight, and yeah, we got to do a pretty uh, restrictive cut here for him to get down to the weight that he needs to get to. Um, and he's also doing a lot of fighting, you know, as well too, uh, practicing things like that. And I mean, after a rest day, this guy's weight will fluctuate four to five pounds, um, depending on the water weight that day. So, uh, you know, and he's sitting about 185. So, you know, that's a decent amount of weight there that it can just fluctuate like that. So it really can fluctuate a ton, um, depending on the person. Now, some people just, they don't have those, uh, fluctuations. I, I have another guy that I'm um, in his building phases. He just, you know, he'll weigh in one day at like 190 and then the next day it's like 185. So again, up to five pounds and some people are, can, can even be more than that. So again, it just really comes down to you. But my biggest thing here is remember any day-to-day -day fluctuation like this is water weight. And, uh, it's, it's not, it's not tissue change. It's not actual fat gain or, or fat loss or muscle gain or muscle loss, uh, in that short span of time. It just, it just doesn't happen that quickly. Okay. So what are some things that can cause this? You know, if you had more salt the day before you could uh, be holding on to a little bit more water weight. If you had more carbohydrates, you know, that's going to cause you to retain a little bit of water. And again, it's water weight. That's why, that's where I think carbs really people get scared of carbs because they eat carbs and then they see their weight go up a couple pounds and they just automatically assume, Oh, that's, that's fat gain, but it's not, it's just, you're holding on to a little bit more water and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so again, if you have more carbs, you know, maybe you didn't go to the bathroom that day. That's, that's, or, uh, that's why, like, if, if you are somebody that, uh, you weigh in in the morning, 
and then you weigh in yourself later in the day. It's like you're going to gain weight. You weighed yourself on in two completely different conditions there. You know, one, like, you know, you didn't have as much food in your belly. You didn't have as much water probably, if, especially if you did it when you first woke up. But then later it's like you get more water, you're starting to eat food, like you're going to have more food in your system. So like, of course, your weight is going to go up. So, uh, you know, that's a big thing there as well. Um, if you had a tough workout the day before, you could be holding on to a little bit of like inflammation and water as well too. So because same thing with that guy I was talking about with the the fighter, you know, with him, he took that rest day and everything just, it just, for whatever reason, you know, just taking a rest day was what his body needed. You know, just, he was just holding on to a lot of water there. So this is why I, with clients, I have them weigh in first thing in the morning, pre-food or drink and post bathroom. And then we take the average for the week. And so I highly recommend not weighing in multiple times per day as well. It's just noise as I was talking about. I think if you're weighing in multiple times per day, you are too concerned with what the scale says. But to go back to this, so I have clients weigh in first uh, first thing in the morning, uh, post-bathroom, pre-food or drink, and then we take the average for the week. And again, that's to notice those kind of trends from day to day. And we're, we're more focused on what your average weight's doing for the week and not necessarily from, from day to day. Again, if your weight goes from 182 to 185, you didn't gain three pounds and you didn't go off plan. You aren't bad because that happened. It's just these water weight fluctuations that you're going to see. And I guarantee you, if you just get back to what you normally do, it's going to go, it's going to go back down. So uh, the scale, you know, people say the scale can lie. The scale doesn't lie. It tells you what your body weight is, but what it doesn't tell you is what that weight is made up of. And that's where it can be a liar. But again, it's not a liar. I don't like to say that it is because it's just not true. Um, but again, I think I think the issue with the scale is is people's um, attachment to it and not understanding what is actually going on. And so that's a big thing that I do work on with clients is really working around that. Um, because you know you see this a lot of times. Um, I have a, a newer client, we, we kind of talked about you know, for him, he, he, he says that, you know, if he eats, he's got to go low carb or, and he's got to do a ton of cardio to see his weight go down. And I think to me, that just tells me that one, he's, he's a newer client. So I haven't started working with him fully yet, but that tells me one, we're too focused on what the scale says. And then two, you're actually, the things that you're doing are, is again, you're kind of too concerned with where that number is. And so you feel like you have to do those things to keep it down, but it going up a couple pounds, isn't necessarily a bad thing either. Right. But also he's making this process of having a leaner look, having a better look a thousand times tougher than it needs to be um, because of the way he's going about this. And, and again, being scared to see his scale weight go up at, at really any point. So um, we'll obviously check back in there with, with that here soon. So, um, so those are some things there with that. Hopefully that was helpful. Lastly, can more protein cause stomach issues? Can we eat too much protein? So can more protein cause stomach issues? So I would say potentially, but there's nothing that would say, yes, it causes stomach issues hundred percent. If you eat more protein, you know, I think it really will depend on the individual. Um, it's also going to depend on a few other things. Your protein sources are going to matter too. Okay. So some protein sources may bother your stomach more than others. So for example, if you do mostly bars or whey protein, I could see that causing some stomach issues. Or if you get a lot from dairy and you increase that, and maybe you have some sort of intolerance to dairy, that could be something that bothers it, right? It's not protein it, itself, or again, it's not hundred percent like, Hey, if you have protein, it's going to like, if you have more protein, it is going to cause stomach issues. I do know that some people, when they do increase, when they go from not having a lot of protein and then maybe they do increase it. Um, and, or they add a lot through like whey protein or bars, they do notice like gas, um, increases. Uh, I, I, and most from, 
from my experience, that does go away um, after, you know, your kind of initial little bit of time there. So I wouldn't stress about that. But again, there's not anything that's like, hey, if you increase your protein intake, yeah, there's a high chance of stomach issues. Now, again, those those sources or protein sources are going to matter because I do think that that is a big thing that plays a role there is, you know, if you go from not really eating a lot of protein to then again, you're adding in a lot of bars and whey protein, like for some people that can be an irritant um, on their gut and, you know, bloating, gas, things like that. Uh, so, so that's, you know, that's something to, to look out for there. And again, based on my understanding of the research, eating too much protein, isn't bad for your health, unless you already have some sort of like medical condition that says you can't do that. Okay. So that's where you would need to look at that. But in itself of just eating higher protein levels and getting high with your protein, it's not, it's not going to necessarily be bad. Um, it doesn't do like any damage or anything like that. At least in amounts that like pe- that are going to be practical for people. I think that's another big thing here too. Is same thing with like the artificial sweeteners. You know, people are like oh, artificial sweeteners are bad, but it's like yeah, and these amounts that aren't even you're just not going to be able to get that much protein or that much like artificial sweeteners, and it's not practical. Yeah, if you sit there and get like you know thirty diet cokes a day, is that going to be great? Probably not. But again, who who can actually do that? So same thing with this pro- with with protein too. It's like you know, yeah, I'm sure at certain amounts, it, it can start to cause some issues, but it's like who practically can, can, can get to that point at day in and day out. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something that we need to to think about there too. But I know there's been research done on, you know, there's, they've done upwards of, I think three, three grams per pound of body weight and like no, no health issues or anything like that from that. Um, but again, I wouldn't recommend, I, I don't see the point in going that high of protein, um, either. And I'll talk about why here in a second. So now if all or most of your calories consist of just protein, you may be missing out on benefits of carbs and fats and have some digestion issues. I could see that again, where it's like, if you have 2000 calories and out of those 2000 calories, you know, you're getting, I don't know what the number would be, but I think it would be probably like what, probably four, 400 grams of protein a day or something like that. Um, Cause again, not everything's going to be just protein. So I would say like, that would be like 400 grams of protein on a 2000 calorie diet. It's like, okay, yeah, you're probably going to run into some stomach issues there. Cause that's a lot of protein. Right. Um, but again, practically speaking, that would just be too tough to actually do. But again, if you get that much protein, it's like, now you're missing out on things like carbohydrates, fats and whatnot as well too. So, um, and again, your choice, food choices would literally have to be like whey protein and like chicken breast and like Turkey, um, just things that are and like lean fish and just really lean meats. Cause again, that that's how you would have to get there to, to, to do that. So, um, so yeah, so again, I, I think it depends on the person. Um, this is why, you know, I, I like to keep people on a protein amount that, uh, you know, anywhere from like 0.6 grams to one gram per pound of body weight. I find and some, and some clients like higher protein than that. And that's fine. Again, there's not going to be any downsides to that. It's just, can you stick with that? And is that feasible for you? Um, but I don't like to see it for clients that want to improve their body composition. I don't like seeing it go under like 0.6 grams. I just think that if you go underneath that, you're probably going to be missing out on some benefits there of it. And again, there's more benefits than just building muscle and, and losing body fat. It's going to come down to, you know, satiety aspect, you know, protein can be filling and it just improves your overall diet quality. If you focus on a good amount of, of protein. Um, I think there was one other thing I wanted to hit on with this. Oh, and can we eat too much protein? And and, and again, no, uh, there's, you know, there's not any amount that would be, uh, again, 
practically speaking, there's not any amounts that would be too much unless specifically for you, it is too much then, then you would need, but again, you would figure that out. Um, but like I said, to be safe, I think anywhere from like 0.6 grams per pound of body weight to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight is solid. And then again, once you get past that, like 1.2 grams per pound of body weight, it's like, again, you might see a little bit of satiety effects, but from a, from a body composition standpoint, you're not going to get any more out of adding more protein than that. So again, I think I, I, to me, I don't worry about this too much because I think I'm not trying to get clients to eat more than that. Um, and I've never had one client that's been like, Hey, can I eat, you know, three grams per pound of body weight for protein? Um, so just, just don't, I just, I don't see that. I could see that maybe more in advanced populations like bodybuilders and stuff like that. But for people I work with and people that, you know, I'm mostly concerned about, like they, they're not going to be wanting to eat that much, that much protein anyway. So, um, so yeah, hopefully that was helpful there. Um, so that's it for this episode. Um, again, if you guys follow me on Instagram, ask questions because then I will go and answer the ones that, um, I, I, you know, not, not necessarily like the best, but I think will be most helpful for the audience here. Um, I will answer in more detail as well too. So that's it for this week, guys. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at JeffH91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.